Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. know that I'm a, like a big movie fan. I'm, I love, love, love movies. You ever watch those montage scenes, especially in those 80s movies, right? Like normally it's like a Rocky movie or, you know, maybe it's like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or something like that. It's that, tr- that scene when they're going to train for the big fight, right? And then it cuts to some cheesy music and they're, they're boxing or maybe they're hitting a heavy bag or they're running miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, you know, or, or maybe they're doing lots of jumping jacks or, you know, like holding their breath or whatever it is, right? Am I the only one who loves those scenes? Those are awesome, right? They're, they're, they're great. Why do we love them so much? They're, okay, inspiring. I would say I think the reason we really love them is because we know what's coming next. We know that the way stories work is the next thing is going to be the big fight. Okay? We see it's like, okay, we've gone through all of this character development. We figured out all this stuff that's going on. Okay, now we know who the character is. We know the struggle that they've gone through. We know what's happening. And now, the fight. Now we're going to see if Rocky can really beat up the Russian guy. Right? We're finally there. It's at the end of the movie. This is how the story goes, right? Movies deliver on that sense of excitement. Their story. God's story is no different. He's been preparing his story throughout all of history, and he's been telling the world who he is throughout his interaction with people. And he's showing the world his grace and his love and his mercy in his actions, and he's recorded it in his word. So as we jump into this next section, the montage has just ended. The fight's about to start. God is about to deal with the false religion of the world something he's been battling against since the beginning, when people said, I know better than you, God. I'll be my own God. He's about to wipe false religion off the map. He's going to destroy it all. And we're going to see that in Zechariah chapter 13. The big idea is that in the latter chapters, God will deal with the false, with false religion to save his people. So remember the framework we've been looking at in reading through Zechariah and studying through it, right? What's going on in these folks' lives is you have the captivity, okay? Remember what happened with that is Israel did not follow God. After they didn't follow God, they were put into captivity. Well, the, the phrase that we use with the kids is God put them in a timeout. Put them in a timeout for like 70 years. That's a big timeout. Okay? If you watch any of those shows, any of those nannies would say that's too long for a timeout. That's a long timeout. Okay? So they're in the timeout. Now he's going to bring them back. And they're going to rebuild the what? The temple. So they're rebuilding the temple. And Zechariah is a prophet at the time talking to God's people. Because remember, they go back to rebuild the temple. And what happens? What's that? They rebuild their own house, right? It's like, hey, you know, God, I'm excited. I'm following you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you ask, God. But you know what? 
Aunt Lucy, I got her farm, and nobody's been in that farm for 70 years. I could just go do my own thing. And they did. And they followed after their own stuff, not God's stuff. So throughout all these chapters, we've seen how God has been calling them back to him and saying, I prepared you for a reason. You're in the next chapter of your life. I have saved you. Now what are you going to do? Now we've also been very clear too to realize these are God's promises to Israel and we are not Israel. But the cool thing is we can study how God interacted with Israel and that actually means something for the people of Ocala. That's pretty cool, right? So that's where we're at right now. Okay, so we've covered the background. We can jump through that. And we can jump into Zechariah chapter 13. Follow along with me. On that day there shall be a fountain opened up for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanliness. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets in the spirit of uncleanness. And if anyone again prophesies, his father and mother who bore him will say to him, you shall not live, for you speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him through when he prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. He will not put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive, but he will say, I am no prophet. I am a worker of the soil, for a man sold me in my youth. And if one asks him, what are these wounds on your back? He will say, the wounds I received in the house of my friends. Verse 7, awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire, and refine them as one who refines silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is my God. Remember that where we're at, what's what's just happening is we have these last three chapters of Zechariah, and they mirror the last three chapters of Revelation. So we're going to read a little bit later on, some, some from Revelation 18. But we know the scene of Jesus coming down, King of kings, Lord of lords, revealing himself to Israel, to God's people. And they look upon him and they see him as God and they realize that they disowned him. They said no when he walked with them. This is their God incarnate. And they said no to him. And remember in chapter 12, which we covered last week, they see him and do you remember what their reaction was? They mourned. They were so sad. It says they were sad like a single parent who has lost their child. The reason they mourned is because they saw their own sin. In seeing Jesus for who he truly is, we can't help but see how we've sinned against him. How we've looked at God and said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. 
And they didn't look at God with enjoyment or excitement or pleasure or look, he's finally here. They looked upon him with despair and sadness because they knew what it meant for them. They knew that they did not follow him and they chose not to. The reason we cover that is because that's where verse 1 begins. And he says, On that day there shall be a fountain opened up for those of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to what? To cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. They'll look upon Jesus, see him as God, feel the depravity of their lives, and he responds with a fountain of cleanliness, something that will wash away their sin. I call this the, the cleansing principle. That's a fountain um, in Lifta. Uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes, that's a picture from Joshua chapter 15. It's a fountain there in Israel, not too far from Jerusalem. The principle here is that God offers cleansing to those that respond to his call, even in the latter chapters of life. Remember that we're talking about for us, those that have accepted Christ, we're in the next chapter of our lives. We're in the next chapter that he's telling the story, but now we're jumping way ahead. We're jumping towards the end of the story, the latter chapters. And what it's saying is, is even in that time when he's going to destroy false religion, he will offer what? Grace, peace, mercy, love, kindness to his people. He offers cleansing. He's a fountain that will cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Please remember that this was written long before the quote-unquote New Testament. This is God laying out his word to his people. What it says is that God's cleansing, we're going to jump back. I got a little excited with my clicking there. God's cleansing to his people would be perpetual. There would no longer be a need for sacrifices. Remember that the, the scene in which we were talking about, the Jewish people, they had a sacrificial system. Jesus had not come yet. So there would be a regular sacrifice to make them good with God, to redeem them, right? There would be that. But Jesus would be this fountain that would cleanse them. Do you hear how we sung that earlier this morning? all connected. God knows what he's doing. Please remember that what God's goal is, is your redemption, not your destruction. We see this over and over and again in this book. What he's doing is he's coming down. They see him for who he really is, and they think, I'm going to get killed now. I've not followed you. I've said I'm better than you. I've said I don't need you. Think that person throughout the week that you've been talking to about God that says, I don't need you. And he meets that person with love, grace, kindness. But they don't see it until they first see their own sin. They first see the own problem that they have. I don't need Jesus if I don't know I'm spiritually dead. If I've not come to Christ and acknowledged his gift of salvation, I'm spiritually dead and I don't see the point. You ever, like, we, we have our kids over here, right? Now, Gagnon kids stink. My kids, they smell when they go running outside. Your kids, a little bit, right? You guys are now in Florida, so a little bit more sweaty than Virginia, I would think, right? Kids go running outside, they're playing, 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 they're going crazy. They come running in the house, they want to jump on the couch. 
Do we want them jumping on the couch? Why not? Because they stink and they're dirty, right? They have no clue. Seriously, my daughter, she's just like, hey, daddy, gives me a hug. And it's like, yeah, I love you. I'm going to hug you, but come on. Right? They have no idea. It's up to us as parents to relay the information to them that, hey, there's a problem here. You need to go wash yourself because it's hot outside. And you got the dirt ring around your neck. Right? We've all seen that. God is our spiritual father. He created us. He has to tell us, hey, there's a problem. You need to be cleansed. And without that cleansing, you don't stink. And you're not going to live how you were called to live if you've not accepted what he's offering in his cleansing. So take a minute now and think. Allow God to work in your heart. Have you accepted that cleansing? Do you know God? Do you have an active relationship with God? Are you following Him? I'm not saying check off the list of the things you do for God. What I'm saying is think right now, God, do I have a relationship with you? It may be estranged, but is there a relationship there? What's going on? Have I accepted your cleansing that only you can give? Because if I haven't, I'm spiritually dead. Only one can bring from death to life, and it ain't us. Nothing we can do. He doesn't stop there, though. He goes on in verses 2 and 3. He says, On that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they will be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanness. What he's saying here is he's pulling the weeds. Pastor Michael, you work outside. What are weeds for? Are weeds good? Do you like weeds? Right? So, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Pastor Michael uh, does a lot of work outside. He maintains an estate-type property where uh, he keeps everything nice and gorgeous and beautiful, right? So, if a weed pops up, like, are you getting a high five? Like, good job growing that weed. No. What are you getting? You need to pull that out. Why? Whoa. You hear it? What weed is God pulling? False religion. He's pulling all of the things out that he is allowed to be there. God is God. We studied earlier in, in Zechariah, remember, that whole idea of the spiritual side of things, spiritual warfare, what's going on that we cannot see. That stuff is real and it's happening. And what we study is, is that God is in control of all of it, even the things we can't see. So in this moment, what he is doing is he is literally pulling the weeds out from the world that are false religion. All of the things that would pull his people's eyes from him. All of it. In the latter chapters, God pulls up all the false religious systems by their roots. Because what happens, Pastor Michael, if you don't get the roots? See it? It's all connected. It's all there. He continues to say that he'll cut off their names from the land. We're talking about total destruction of false religious systems. And these false religious systems have infiltrated the world. Think through every religious system that says Jesus is not God. And hear me, 
they're wrong. There's no way that one can be saved if not by Christ. Nothing. There's no amount of good deeds. There's no amount of ohms you can say. There's no prayers you can pray. It's Jesus. That's it. And that's why when we read Galatians, Paul was so upset because he's saying to them, how have you walked away from Jesus? You've heard the true gospel, and what are you doing? The gospel is Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and promised return, which we'll study next week. Really exciting stuff. So we know what weeds are. We know that weeds are out there in the world. We know that these false religious systems have infiltrated our society, and they're sucking the life out of people. And hear me. God pulls them out. Not us. We're not going to stop another religion. We're people in Ocala. We're God's people empowered by him to do his work. But we're not here to take down some system. What we are here to do is to love people and show them who Jesus is. And then he pulls those roots out. He reveals himself. He's the one from chapter 12, right? Remember, he gave them a spirit of gentleness and grace. God's the one who takes the steps. We get to walk with him, but he's the one who does it. He doesn't stop there either. He says in verse 4, On that day every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. He will not put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive, but he will say, I am no prophet. I am a worker of the soil, for a man sold me in my youth. And if one asks, what are these wounds on my back? He will say, the wounds I received in the house of my friends. Sounds pretty odd, right? What he's saying there is that when the religious systems are pulled, people are left hurting. People that attach themselves to these religious systems and these ways in which they've lived, when those systems are destroyed, which will happen, which we'll read about here in just a couple of minutes, when that happens, people are left and they're left broken, and they're left beaten up. But notice what they do. They're just hurt. Let's read here. Revelation 18. Don't flip there. I'll read it. It's okay. Just just do me a favor and, and try to put yourself in the place of Revelation 18. You have God doing all of his tribulation of drawing his people back to him. And this is literally the culmination of him destroying false religion. That's, that's, that's what's just happened. And this is people's reaction to it in Revelation 18. Okay, So it's gone. Babylon is the term he uses over and over and over again in scripture to point to what false religion is. Verse 9 reads this way. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, her is Babylon. They will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. 
cargo of gold, of silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves. That is human souls. The fruit for which your soul has longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear and torment, weeping and mourning aloud, alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, atoned with gold, with jewels, with pearls, for in a single hour... All her wealth has been laid waste. All her shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like that great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour... She has been laid waste. All of that mourning and weeping and sadness and screaming aloud was because Babylon was destroyed. And it went like that. Did you hear any of them acknowledge who Jesus is? No. What they did was they mourned the loss of their system. They mourn the loss of the thing that they had attached themselves to that was gone, that was rich. It was beautiful. Everyone looked upon it, and it looked amazing. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. It was gone like that. They saw Jesus' power in destroying the city false religion of Babylon, but they did not respond by actually worshiping God. They were just so hung up that the thing they worshiped was gone. They were hurt. The problem is they were so locked into their system they couldn't see what was real. When you were a kid, did you guys used to climb a lot of trees? Anybody tree climbers here? Okay. You ever have that kid who wouldn't get out of the tree? Like everybody was cool with jumping up and climbing up the tree. And then when you were done, you want, you were going to go. But then you got that kid who won't jump out of the tree, right? And if you're that kid, I'm sorry, but I'm going to make fun of that kid for a second. But you're like looking up at the kid and you're like, come on, man, we're going to go do this thing now. Jump out of the tree. It's like however many feet, just go. No, they don't want to do it. They're like a cat. They're just so scared. I don't, I, uh, They trust where they are. They don't trust the fall. They don't trust the ground that they can see, the power of Jesus. You know what God just did? He chopped the tree down. He cut the tree down. And they're so worried about the tree, this glorious tree, that they can't see the power of the one that could kill it. The power of Jesus, and they missed it. And it's so sad. This is the person you know that follows idols. 
They put something in place of God, and that's the king of their life, and they will not let anybody move it. This is what I'm about. This is who I am. This is my life. This is my identity. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm not, I, no, no, I don't even, no, no, no. I am fill in the blank. We all know these folks. We've been these folks. I know that I have. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation? And if so, how has that worked itself out in your life last week? How in your life did your, your love of people show in your understanding of the God you serve? we got to check ourselves. Because if you really believe that Jesus is the, old, the way, the truth, the life, no man can come to the Father but by Him, what did we do Tuesday? How are we interacting with the culture, with the world? What are we doing? Are you inviting folks to attend worship, to inter- be introduced to God in a corporate setting? Are we doing that? It's kind of what we're called to do. Now, we're not going to be walking around hitting people in the face, Bible thumping. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about loving people, showing them who God is, and knowing all in our minds that in the later chapters, he's going to pull that weed. Do you want them to be a mourner, or do you want them to know God? Do you love them enough to show them the God who saved you? That's what he's called us for. Finally, you'll see that what we just covered, they're left hanging. In the latter chapters, those attached themselves to false religion, they're just going to be left hanging. There's no hope there. God says they will not dare call back to their false system because they have seen Jesus' power. So they know who Jesus is, but they don't actually follow him. Last one in verses 7 through 9. It reads, Awake, all sword, against my shepherd. Against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, the two-thirds shall be cut off and perish. One-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one who refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say... The Lord is my God. I call this the refining principle. It's that in the latter chapters, God promises to refine his people by burning off impurities. Have you guys ever seen any of those, like uh, refining fires or like where people purify gold? Do you ever see that, like Discovery Channel or any of that kind of stuff? Okay, so when that happens, it's really stinking hot. Right? And what they do is they put the metal in, and what boils to the top? What? Impurities, okay? So the impurities come to the top, and what does God do? Same thing that someone who is refining it takes away the impurities, makes it, makes it pure, makes it usable, makes it more valuable. And what he's saying here is that that's what he's doing. And check this out. He says that through his process of refining, he's going to destroy those that will not accept him while also preparing the ones that will for him. It's a lot of words. Here's what he's saying. In the heat, in the refining process that's going to happen in Revelation, there are going to be those that are just burn up in it. 
They do not accept Christ. They do not follow God. And death is where they go. Destruction, you're done. You do not get to accept Christ later. You have an opportunity to accept and follow Christ. If you don't, you are spiritually dead. We know what we're talking about here. But in the process that he also has for that, he's preparing those that we'll see in Revelation 19 who actually decide to follow him. It's the same thing. He's heating it up for all of them. Really cool stuff what he's doing here. This is the precursor to the battle that we're going to study next week. He's pointing out that a life in rebellion requires being refined. It has to. It's the same for us. He's drawing them to himself, and they're going to say, he is our God. And he will say, I am their God. They are my people. It's beautiful. I, 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 work, I work at a, a cell phone store, and part of what I do is I coach my reps, right? Many of you guys already know this, but, but part of what we do is we listen to transactions, and in listening to those transactions, I may pipe in, and I observe those, and then I, I help my reps. I help them be better at their jobs. So we'll have conversations after, and I'll say, hey, when the customer said this, you responded this way, or maybe your body language was this. There's some ways that we can work on this stuff, right? It's about improvement of the process. Problem is, last night I was doing that with one of my reps, and this person did not want to be coached. And it led to an hour and 45 minute long conversation that got very sticky. The person just flat out told me, I don't want to be coached. Very hard to try to make someone better when they won't listen. Very hard, if not impossible. When a person makes that declaration, I don't want to listen. I will not do what you're, what you're telling me to do. You're an impurity. There's no purification there. God is God and God can do God stuff. But if we in our own lives just say, no, God, I won't. I will not subject myself to you. I will not follow you. He'll grant your wish. He'll allow that to take place. How are you doing in the refinement process? Where are you at with it? Because the refinement process is hard, it's hot, and it seldom is fun. Anyone who here has been coached in a job knows coaching isn't exactly a blast, right? You don't like hearing what you missed. You don't like, you know, it's, it's like a person who's a great basketball player doesn't like shooting 7,000 jump shots to improve their jump shot, right? They like having a higher shooting percentage. What they don't like is the four hours it takes every single day to get better. God is refining us to be more like him. And part of that is removing impurities. That's what he's doing. And it all leads to these words. They will call upon my name and I will answer. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. So how does this play itself out? What's our obedience in action? What are the ways that we can take this passage of scripture and see what God was doing in their lives and how does it affect our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so on? First off, you have within our body, within one another, 
Pray for the body. Pray for them to be reminded daily who they're being called to reach. Who is it that God's placing in our lives to reach? Pray for them. Also, ask someone in the body this week who they're being called to reach and how that's going. That's accountability. Go up to somebody and say, hey, what's God doing in your life? Who's he calling you to reach? How did that work itself out this week? What's God doing? Finally, encourage a member of the body this week by action, not just word. This could be a cup of coffee, a phone call, or you could watch the lock stand for kids. For those of you guys who don't know, they got like 87 kids. Just kidding, they got four. But I'd like to give them a hard time. But, you know, like, love someone in the body. Encourage them. Like, that's what we're called to do. Finally, how does it play itself out in our community? Walk with your eyes open to your community because you see the idols people have placed around themselves. What have they attached themselves to? Be observant about what idols is, what, what have they done? What have they put in their life that they've made God? Start praying about that. And watch how God does stuff, because it's pretty crazy cool. Secondly, pray about how God is calling you to reach those people and ask for wisdom in interacting with them. Because here's the hard part. Seeing what's really important in someone else's life is actually pretty easy. It just involves paying attention. Actually talking to them about what's, what, what they've made their God, that's a lot harder. You know what that requires? A relationship. You don't walk up to the person in line at the grocery store and say, hey, you know what you've made God in your life? <laughs> it doesn't happen. And if it does, they'll punch you. Don't do that. Have a relationship with people. Finally, be a follower of Jesus in your community this week. Ask God for an opportunity to share the plan of salvation with someone. Ask him. It may happen, it may not, but everyone needs his cleansing. Ask him who he's called you to reach. Get, get more active in your faith. So we've covered a lot today. You guys, have, you guys have done really well. We know the big idea. In the later chapters, God's going to deal with false religion. And in dealing with false religion, he's going to save his people. The montage video is over. Okay? The big fight is coming. We're going to see that next week. We're there. We're going to see what God does. Are you going to follow him? Are you going to follow him in your community this week? Are you going to say, God, I love the people you've called me to love enough that I don't want them to be a part of some weed system that just gets ripped out? Don't leave them hanging. Follow God. He loves you enough to have saved you, and now he loves you enough to use you in the saving of others. Pretty exciting stuff. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.